You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're live in the Farm Bureau studios. Charlie's in downtown Starkville. I'm in parts unknown right now, splitting up on spring break. We've got baseball on the road this weekend. State coming off a win on Monday night over Binghamton. And so, Charlie, once again, Farm Bureau, go with a home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Agents in all counties across Mississippi. And their customer service is fantastic. Home, auto, life, whatever you need in the insurance world, you do it with our good friends at Farm Bureau. And so looking back at Monday night, Charlie, we win 13-5. to Now, if you picked up the paper on Tuesday morning and you saw where State wins 13-5 to over Binghamton, you say, oh, ho-hum. But I tell you what, man, <laughs> it got tight there late in that thing. Well, I do have to bring up one thing, Bart, before you jump into that ball game, and that is this. You said you were from parts unknown. That was a great wrestling term when I was a little kid. You know, when they were bringing in the bad guy, you know, one guy would be like from Philadelphia, but the bad guy was always from parts unknown. Parts unknown, a very underrated location. And it was almost like the guy had a drawn-on beard, you know? He didn't have a real beard. It was almost like drawn-on with eye black. Or he had curly hair, curly, greasy hair, or a beard that was drawn on. Or a mask so that you could see neither. But, yeah, parts unknown. That's that's underrated. Yeah, so getting back to baseball, the ball game on Monday night, originally set to be a Tuesday game, got bumped to try to avoid the weather. Good thing they did. That's another spot where your meteorologist on campus help you out because it was not baseball weather in Startwell on Tuesday. Look, that game was tight, man. It was tight. And I think one of the things that we both – we got a couple of messages during the game. The first was uh, on the ball that was uh, misplayed in center field or lost in center field. That was a tough sky, and I get it. Nobody wants excuses. It was a really tough sky for a guy who has not played much center field in that ballpark. Maybe somebody who's been out there a little bit more makes that play. So you that's just kind of – one of those situations when you make that roster substitution, things like that can happen to you. The second thing that we got a lot of messages about was Lane Forsyth on the mound. And a couple of people were saying, boy, I don't understand why you go Lane Forsyth. Number one, this pitching staff is low on guys. And number two, if you're going to use him, what better time? I mean, I get it. You don't want to lose to Binghamton. But do you want to throw Forsyth out there in a Sunday game at Georgia when you got to have an inning? Never having pitched before, that's a pretty tough thing to do. So he, he was a really good pitcher coming through. Hadn't done it in a while. But right now, you think back, what was it, in 17 where we saw Mangum have to pitch some? We saw Blaylock pitch some? I think that may be where you are right now. Somebody's going to have to give you a few innings. You know, a couple things that I saw, Charlie, that stand out to me. One is, is like you said, it was the perfect opportunity to pitch him, not just – 
on Monday night, but where you pitched him on Monday night. You threw him in the fifth inning, and I know it was a tight game. If he goes out there and kind of blows up, you still got time to come back in that game, and I know that's not what you want to see. But you don't want to throw him out there in the eighth inning of a tight ball game and put him in a pressure situation and a leverage situation the first time out. So I thought they handled it well to throw him in there in the middle of the game. Now he gives up a solo home run on the second pitch that he throws. Now the positive about that is, is he really settled in. I thought after the home run, he was really good to the next three batters. And here's what I also liked. And I know this is kind of overstating and maybe looking for a little bit too much. Do you know what I liked about his outing on Monday night? Is he wasn't out on the mound. He wasn't grinning. He wasn't smiling. He took it serious. It wasn't a situation of, hey, we've got a position player who's pitching for the first time. It appeared to me as if he was taking this as serious as the situation is. You may need this guy. You're probably going to need this guy sometime, somehow, some way. And he took it serious. And I really appreciated that as a baseball guy because sometimes you see it. I mean, we saw Anthony Rizzo a couple of years ago for the Cubs, and we've seen, you know, we've seen Mitch Moreland come in and pitch some in the big leagues. And you see it in the big leagues some. And every time those guys come in, and not knocking those guys at all, but they know they're not pitchers. Mitch was in college, by the way. But it's not a high leverage situation, and it's not like they're going to be needed, okay? It's not like you can call somebody up from AAA when you're in college baseball. He understood the moment because in the big leagues when those guys are striking people out, they're kind of grinning and laughing and smiling. I thought Forsyth did what he was supposed to do. He took the moment serious, and he came in and did what he had to do. And now he's gotten that first experience on the bump. And I thought he reacted very well to the home run. You didn't see him shaking his head or laughing it off. He was going straight to the umpire saying, give me a baseball, and he went back to the mound. And what we saw after the home run was he kept the ball down. We saw a breaking pitch. I thought we saw some change-ups in there too. We saw a, kind of all sorts of things. And the other thing about it is I am told by guys around the team that he's hit 94. And so he's a guy we, – we knew he had a good arm from shortstop. But, look – is he going to be one of your front-line guys? No. But now and then, you got to steal some innings in the middle, and I think Forsyth gives you a chance to steal some of those. So the other good things we saw, Bart, now, look, it's not very often that you get a 64-mile-an-hour pitch over the heart of the plate, but R.J. Yeager did what you're supposed to do with pitches coming in at 64. He turned it around. He hit it way out. And a couple of home runs. Kellum Clark's been hot somebody has to get hot in the middle infield, and you hope that Jaeger is now kind of on that path. Yeah, went two for four in that game on Monday night. Like you said, Charlie had the two home runs, four RBIs. He did strike out a couple of times, and so, but you've got to get something going in the middle of that, uh, of that lineup. I thought at the top of the lineup, Jess Davis, you know, he was on base five times in that game. He walked twice. He was hit by a pitch twice, and he had a hit in the game, went one for two. So you're going to have to get some productivity at the top of the lineup. You know, Hancock has been batting in the leadoff spot. Does he go back there against Georgia? That's kind of the the unknown thing about the weekend coming up. Uh, I think we've got to get Logan Tanner going. You know, Logan was one for three, had three RBIs, had a big hit late in that game in the eighth inning. It kind of 
sparked you in, in the eighth inning of that game, the infield drawn in, and that was good to see him get going. You know, Hunter Hines continues to hit it well, two for five at the plate on Monday, three RBIs. He also had a home run. And so, you know, this lineup has its pieces that, you know, we need to start getting to some guys hot. And the weather's about to get hotter, and so hopefully you'll see that. And we'll talk a little bit more about Mississippi State and Georgia on our Tracks Plus Deep Dig tomorrow. And once again, Tracks Plus, four locations, three in the state of Mississippi, the hub in Hickory, Mississippi, Startville in Columbus, Summit, Mississippi, then in Alexandria, Louisiana, the four locations that bring you the Barco with the forestry world, the Saney equipment with excavators and mini excavators, Massey Ferguson tractors and the implements at all the locations except for Startville and Columbus. But Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton over in Columbus. You've got uh, Ken Crosby down in Hickory, Gresh Howell down in Summit, and Hoop Weems in Alexandria, Louisiana. The guys that are go-to guys if you're looking for anything equipment-wise in the state of Mississippi. So, Charlie, when you and I come back, we'll talk to Jeff Dantzler. He's the voice of the Georgia baseball Bulldogs. He's on the other side of the break. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. Time now for our guest line segment brought to you each week by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing, made right here in the state of Mississippi, down in Florence on Highway 49 at Country Meat Packers. All the different varieties, they're outstanding without doubt. And this week, uh, with brought to you by Country Pleasing, we're going to talk to the voice of the Georgia baseball Bulldogs, Jeff Dantzler. And once again, this conversation brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. So let's talk with our good friend Jeff Dantzler over with the University of Georgia. He's a play-by-play with women's basketball and baseball. Hey, Jeff, how you doing, man? It's a fun time of year, isn't it? Uh, it really is. I love it. Bart, Charlie, great to talk to you guys. You know how much I love Starkville. I love my, my buddies from over there at Mississippi State. And um, if, if your basketball team is still alive, this is the time of year. Most schools have 13 or 14 teams that are competing. So. Uh, for, for me, Georgia football is the center of my universe for my whole life. But uh, this time of year is really hard to beat. And now we start SEC play uh, with the defending national champions, Mississippi State, in town. And it is an awesome time. Well, you mentioned football. You guys come back down to earth over there yet? No. Uh, every day has been birthday, Christmas, <laughs> 4th of July, New Year's Eve, uh, uh, birth of children, marriages, uh, get, getting a new dog, getting a new cat. Uh, everything rolled into one. So it, it's incredible. I'm enjoying every day. And I know you guys did the same uh, when, when you won it in baseball. But you know, I, I thought so much about Coach Polk and Jim Ellis and, and Everett and so many great Mississippi State fans and, and that have been so close so many years. And, and we were certainly in the same boat in football. So to, to win it and get over the top, it, it's just an incredible feeling. And you, you guys know what I'm talking about because you just did it. Oh, yeah. Hey, you mentioned Coach Polk, and he likes to tell the story. And, of course, his office, and Charlie and I talk about this all the time, his office is right across from mine. And he tells the story about when he went to Athens, 
that when he got there that you were sitting on the quote-unquote wrong side of him for his post-game interviews and that he made you change. Is that right? I mean, is he that bad? Well, with Coach Polk, it was interesting because our radio booth, uh, Jim's was on the first base side and our old booth was on the third base side. So I sat closer to home plate. And it was funny. We sat down there. Wait a minute, you're sitting on the wrong side. I said, so what do you mean, Coach? He goes, yeah, Jim Ellis always sat to the left. He said, you're sitting to the right. And I figured, oh, that's that's fine. You can stay there. I said, oh, yeah, Coach, it's good. Wherever you want to sit. Wherever you want to sit. So I love Coach Polk. And, you know, he's just he, he is the godfather of SEC baseball. He made it big. And, uh, again, I was just so happy for him. And he's meant so much to so many people and, and certainly touched my life in, in, in an incredible way. And, you know, I, again, I was just so, so happy for him. I think happier for him than anybody when you guys won that national championship. All right, Jeff, this weekend, baseball, Jonathan Cannon, we'd assume on Friday for Georgia. And Charlie and I were talking about this, about how young Georgia pitching was last year. Here early, non-conference play, yeah, what are your thoughts on Georgia through four weekends? I think the pitching has been good. Unfortunately, so many of us are in the same boat. Uh, we, we've lost uh, two pitchers to, to the dreaded Tommy John. We, we've had a couple of guys go down, and, uh, and I know everybody deals with that. And certainly uh, you guys with, with your ace dealing with his situation, it's just it, it's an unfortunate situation in baseball right now. But I, I really do like our pitching staff. Our pitching coach, Sean Kenny, is very good. He's excellent. And like anybody else, we need our number one guy, Jonathan Cannon, to be terrific. We need our number two guy, Liam Sullivan, to be terrific. They've, they've both been very good to great this year. And you, know, you, you guys know that you've got to have that, not just to win, say, that Friday night or that Saturday game, but to set the tone and, and put your bullpen in a good position for the rest of the weekend. One of the, I suppose, disadvantages of the injuries last year was the fact that you had to throw a lot of young guys. Turn forward a year, a lot of those young guys are now sophomores who pitched so much last year. How's your bullpen looking, and how much did that experience, some of those guys are getting kind of thrust into it last year, seem to be helping? I think it was one of those deals. You have to look for the silver lining, and when you do – lose some guys and other players have to have that, that bathmatic baptism by fire. You get those battlefield promotions. It puts hair on your chest quickly in this league, guys. You, you know that. And uh, we, we definitely had some young guys who were, who were thrown pretty much face first uh, into, the, in, into the ocean there, and uh, they had to learn to swim. And they did a good job with it. And I think with that, they gained some valuable experience and, uh, the guy at the top of our bullpen is a left-hander named Jaden Wood. We got another lefty named Colin Caldwell, and then a right-hander in Jack Gowan. Those those will be the top guys that you want to use, and we all know how that goes. Those plans are laid out. You know, everybody well, we want to have our number one go six or seven on Friday and, and go to X, and then on Saturday we want our number two to go six and then go to Y. Uh, that, that those plans are great, but uh, we all know in, in this league. Uh, you can get knocked sideways in a hurry. Um, so I, I know we're going to get a, a great weekend of baseball. The weather looks good, looks great for Saturday and Sunday, maybe a little bit of rain on Friday, but it, it should be a magnificent weekend. You guys have kind of been in the same situation that we have when you start talking about Landon Sims going down and trying to figure out who that third starter is going to be. 
Uh, Garrett Brown, he has kind of gotten roughed up a little bit the past couple of weeks. Do you still kind of expect him to see uh, see him on Sunday, or do you think Scott's going to do a little something different this weekend? That's a good question, Bart. You know, we, we talked about it after our game yesterday, and, and Brown's one of those guys who's come back from Tommy John surgery, and he looked pretty good the week prior against Tech, but but really struggled this past Sunday. And what we've been doing is piggybacking him and Luke Wagner, who's one of those sophomores that you were just talking about that really got thrown into it, that had almost been a co-start. But I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do right now. I believe our midweek starter right now is going to be a Mississippi State transfer in Davis Rocos because, uh, again, you, know, you guys lost your ace and Sims. We, we've lost two of our starters. So this is one of those deals where you want to have everything set at this time of year, but, but right now we just don't. So I would guess uh, when Coach Strickland puts out the pitching rotation for the weekend, we might be TBA on Sunday. And you also know, hey, if, if you're in a situation on Friday or Saturday, if you've got a, a chance to get a win in this league, you got to go all in for that game, especially if you've got the lead. So I, I don't think you'd hold anything back. But I, I, I really am not sure who will start on Sunday. When you start looking at Georgia's lineup at the plate, it's tough to say who's hot. They all seem to be, at least at the top of the order. But the guy who I'm wondering what you guys are feeding is Corey Collins. Uh, guy's got 18 hits, six of them are home runs, five of them are doubles. It just looks like he's mashing the ball. What's been going on with him this year? He He's one of those different type guys. I think Georgia's got a lot of good players, and we're like most teams. We're, we're old. We got a lot of fourth and fifth and even a sixth-year guy out there. Um, but it, as you know, if, if you want to go the distance, you got to have great players. You got to have a lead. So for Georgia, that means Jonathan Cannon on the mound and then Corey Collins at the plate. He, he is just a power, raw power, uh, left-handed hitter. He's a sophomore. He's also got a very good eye. And it's amazing is that you start taking your walks as home runs start to come around. But he's hit five home runs and three doubles in Georgia's last eight games. So he's that one guy in the lineup. And, again, Georgia's got a lot of good hitters. But Collins is the one guy in the lineup that, that I, I think you see teams pitch around or, or when you're going through your scouting report, you circle him and say, don't let this guy beat you. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is he the guy that you're looking at two batters ahead of time? You know, Cole Tate's had a good year so yeah. far. Ben Anderson's had a good year so far, like Charlie just said. I mean, it just seems like just looking at the numbers that, that you guys have some guys off to some really good starts. Uh, no doubt about it. And it's But, but as we all know, this, when you get into the league, it's such a different animal. And George, the best team Georgia's played is Georgia Tech. They've got a, God, they've got a great lineup. And you know, Georgia's played Georgia Southern and Wofford, who, who are good. But th this is going to be an enormous, enormous step up here, just seeing the caliber and the quality of the arms. So the big thing, I, I think, for Georgia, probably a lot of teams are like this, can Georgia win, can Georgia score when Georgia doesn't homer? When we hit the ball out of the yard, we're really good. But last year, one of the things that, that hit the Georgia Bulldogs was that we were 13th or 14th in the league in walks and stolen bases and sacrifices. So if you're not hitting home runs, uh, obviously we didn't do a good job of moving runners along. You've got to hit for a really, really, really high average just in an inning to be able to get on the board. So I think that's going to be the big key for Georgia. Can the Bulldogs manufacture runs when Georgia's not hitting home runs? 
Jeff, you look around the SEC right now. You've been around this game a long time. Stadiums, new stadiums popping up, fully field there. You know, where do you see right now kind of the strength of the facilities in the league, and where do you see SEC baseball as it kind of stands from the perspective of somebody in Georgia? I think that the state of Southeastern Conference baseball is at an all-time high. We all know how good the league has been. I always go back to Mississippi State, great 1985 team. That was the the, the tone setter and what LSU was able to do with Skip Bertman. But these facilities in particular, yours is the best. Old Misses, Arkansas, LSU, Texas A&M, just incredible. Florida's got a, a beautiful new ballpark. Uh, ours is one of the older ones. It, it got finished in 1991. I like to say Foley Field is like Wrigley Field. And it's, it's a beautiful setting. It's a great place to play. But when you just look at the caliber of the game, and I think especially the last two years with cutting the number of rounds that have been in the major league draft with what happened with, with the COVID years, the depth of the game is better than it's ever been. And I just think back to the caliber of, of pitching. I mean, I can remember back in the late 90s, most teams wouldn't have more than two, maybe three guys who could throw ninety. You might not even have a left-hander on the staff. And now everybody throws 90. Everybody's got multiple left-handers on the staff. The, the crowds that we're getting, the, the caliber of, of the travel, just the popularity of the game, I think it's at an all-time high. And, and I love it. I think there's some things that we need to do to continue to protect it. I think pace of play is a big thing, and they've got to get the replay situation fixed. I just, I think that's a disaster, and I wouldn't mind them seeing go to the major league rule where if you have a reliever come in in an inning, he's got to face at least three batters. But I, I just think the overall health of the game right now is at an all-time high, and, and especially when you look at what's happening in the majors where I, I think the, the, the common uh, take on it is you got billionaires arguing with millionaires, these guys are out there playing hard. Every game's important, and your, your, your fans absolutely love it. So I, I just think that the health of college baseball, especially in the SEC, has never been better. Hey, Jeff, we appreciate you. Always great to talk with you. Okay, my friend. And as Jeff Dantzler, voice of the Georgia baseball Bulldogs, Mississippi State and Georgia, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three-game series. Georgia comes in at 14-3 and three on the season. State having won four in a row at 11-7. and seven. When Charlie and I come back, we'll talk to Jay Powell, former Bulldog, played in the big leagues, now shares the booth with Jim Ellis every now and then on the Mississippi State Radio Network. And so Jay will join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Great conversation with Jeff Dantzler, the voice of the Georgia Baseball Bulldogs. And time now for another guest line segment, this time brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can find anywhere. And they do it right here in the state of Mississippi, over in the Mississippi Delta in Itabina. And this week, uh, we feature the restaurant's Jim and Nick's, who carries that great Heartland Catfish. Jim and Nick's in 39 locations, 15 in the state of Alabama, 11 in the state of Georgia. So if you're making that trip to Athens this weekend, make sure you go online to jimandnicks.com, jimandnicks.com. Look for those locations. 
And the great thing about Jim and Nick's, you've got that Carl's Fried Catfish plate, one or two fillets. It's fried. It's fantastic. But if you want it on a bun, you've got the Carl's Catfish Sandwich at any Jim and Nick's barbecue. And so it's not just barbecue at Jim and Nick's. They've got that great catfish brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. So let's talk to our good friend Jay Powell. He joins Jim Ellis every now and then on the Mississippi State Radio Network, played here with the Bulldogs in early 1990s. Jay, we talked to you last week, and, hey, appreciate you, first of all, joining us. I know you guys have a spring break tournament going on right now. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we're kind of right in the middle of it. And, uh, hey, I missed this weekend, but we got a lot of irons in the fire right now, but hopefully we're going to settle down and I can get back up there. Jay, one of the big stories from the pitching world for Mississippi State has been Parker Stinnett. Struggled out of the bullpen a couple of times, and all of a sudden, what a difference five days makes. He gets two starts, one against Texas Tech, one this weekend, and all of a sudden, he looks like a guy that's going to fill a spot in your weekend rotation. What do you see in Stinnett? And then second, have you ever been around guys who were just better starting than they were out of the bullpen? Yeah, uh, well, that's Second question, yes, I have. I mean, you know, the the reason why I was always liked the bullpen better is I, I wanted to come to the field every day with the chance to play. And then I was just ultra competitive, and I just – I had a hard time, honestly, sitting. Um, so, for me, the bullpen's a better fit. Now, some guys are routine-oriented. They like to know when they're pitching. They like to have their routines. They like to do and so starting is a better fit, and maybe they don't bounce back as good and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely seen those guys do it, and, and Stinnett maybe one of those guys because he's looked good in the rotation. You know, he's got a good breaking ball, um, good fastball, and, and, you know, definitely there's a there's definitely a need in that starting rotation right now. Talking to Jay Powell. Jay, you talked about getting in a routine, and when you're coming out of the bullpen – you know, back when you played and you played in the big leagues and you had to get ready to come in a pen, you sometimes had to get hot in a hurry. And you really didn't have a chance to work on things. If you're starting and, and getting ready to start, how different is your routine getting ready to pitch and finding your release point as a starter? Well, the main thing about it is as a reliever, I mean, your number one concern is, is if you're getting ready in a hurry is to get, get loose. Be ready, you know, and once you get that, then you've got your eight pitches on the mound, on the game mound, that you feel like you can find two things. You have to. Um, but as a starter, I mean, some guys just need longer to prepare. They don't, you know, they just need that bullpen in between starts. Um, you know, for a reliever, the worst thing you can do is have long stretches where you don't pitch. And when you do that, you start getting rusty. You start, you know, just yourself bounces around a little bit on you so you know you need that consistent work and sometimes the starter you know they know they're getting that hey i'm gonna go bullpen i'm gonna start saturday i'm gonna go bullpen tuesday a light one maybe thursday you know so they know that routine and i just think more than anything some guys that suits them better than having that kind of up and down pitch today pitch the next day may not pitch for two days jay barton i were talking i thought one of the real stories from this weekend about Mississippi State pitching. Obviously, you got the good start from Cade Smith, but I like the fact that Preston Johnson got in trouble in the first and then was a really good pitcher after that. I like the fact that Parker Stinnett had trouble in the first and second 
and then was a dominant pitcher after that. How hard is that to kind of pitch around a bad inning or two and, and then get your legs back under you like that? Well, as a starter, you've got to understand that most starts, you're going to have you know, what we call two hop innings. And that's going to define whether you have a good start or a bad start and your ability to, one, manage that inning and get out of that inning. So if you can do that, normally you can turn that start around. Sometimes that, that inning comes in the first, sometimes it comes in the seventh, sometimes it comes in the fourth. But both of those guys being able to do what they did, I mean, that, that shows the maturity of them and it also shows they're, they're continuing to grow into that rotation spot. And, uh, I, you know, Preston was a guy I thought all along that probably would fill one of those spots just from a stuff standpoint. And watching him the last year, I mean, he, his stuff translated more to the starting role. Um, but it's, you know, and I know what Chris Lonis and, and Fox are saying. You know, you, you take them out of the bullpen, well, that leaves a hole in the bullpen. So it's, it's dang if you do, dang if you don't. But you, you've got to have those guys in that rotation on the weekend if you're going to be competitive in the SEC. Jay, when you look at Cade Smith, what do you see? I like Cade a lot. I, I thought last year, toward the end of the year, he was really good. Um, he threw pretty well in the World Series. His stuff is really good. Good fastball, good breaking ball. Um, he works very quick, back strike zone. Um, there's just a lot to like about Cade. I mean, I think he's blossomed into a, a frontline SEC type starter. Um, you look at the way this, this rotation is kind of bending out. He, you know, he's, he's probably going to end up being the dude, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think the other two obviously can be pretty good, too. But um, I think I think Cade's got a chance to be really, really, really good you know, before he leaves Mississippi State. But regardless, all three of those guys, they're going to have to pitch deep into the game and just play our bullpen play now. I mean, they're, they're going to have to get you into the sixth inning almost every start if you have any, any shot of having a, a somewhat of a matchup in the that season. We look at Kellum Clark switching to the hitting side. Kellum Clark starts out something very slow, one for 16. I forget what he was. But then all of a sudden this weekend, nine hits, three doubles. He's hitting balls out of the yard. And you go back over the past 10 days, it's just been incredible. When you look at a guy like that who starts slow and then heats up, uh, is that a sign of a guy who's just kind of a streaky hitter, so to speak? Is it – just the effects of what small sample sizes can do to statistics. What do you see in Kellum? Well, what, what I saw in Kellum earlier in the year, and I told Jim this on the radio, I said, you know, I've known Kellum since eighth grade, and I've coached him. And the one thing Kellum has always been is he had a great idea of his strike zone. And earlier in the year, I saw him chase balls, especially up. Out of the strike zone, I saw him when you missed. And then you saw him take that two-strike fastball on the inner third, just kind of freeze him. So you knew he was just out of sync. I mean, you knew he was, he, was, he was just not where he needed to be as a hitter. And I think most of it was probably coming back, big World Series, you know, going to be the dude, so to speak, and probably put a little bit of pressure on himself. And when he did that, he got out of the strike zone as a hitter. And nobody's a good hitter swinging the ball. Once Kellum kind of got that back, and, and all it takes, and y'all been around enough, one or two hits, you know, and like Coach Polk always says, it's contagious. And once you get one or two hits, you start getting that rhythm again, and his confidence jumps up. And I think that's what's happened with Kellum. Kellum's a great hitter, and he's, he's going to be a very productive hitter. He's going to strike out some, but he's also going to hit you some home runs, some extra base hits, and driving a lot of runs. Bart and I have talked about this a lot. You could almost go back 
a lot of times you can go back and you say what game changed a season. It's almost like with Kellum Clark. We may be sitting here at the end of the year saying that one pitch changed the season. You're down at Tulane. The guy hadn't had a hit in forever, and you turn him loose on a 3-0 pitch that he drives out of the yard. And it's almost like they just decided, one, this is the best pitch you're going to see in a couple of weeks, and two, it kind of gives a sign that you believe in him. It's funny how like little isolated instances like that can all of a sudden have a big impact. No question. And I think he was nailed in the head. You know, he was he was a little bit in and out of the lineup. I think with, you know, that letting him swing 3-0, I mean, look, those guys in that dugout never lost confidence. I know that for a fact. Leon and, and Goat, those guys never lost confidence in him. Um, and I think that just a little bit of maybe, hey, man, you're, you're, still, a, you're still one of our guys, and, you know, we're going to let you swing here. And, and you're right. I mean, it says a lot for – for a coach to show confidence in a guy that's struggling like that. Jay, I look at uh, at Logan Tanner behind the plate, and I think back to you pitching with the Rangers. I mean, you had a pretty good one behind the plate in Yvonne Rodriguez, Pudge. And I'm not comparing Logan Tanner to Pudge right now, but you knew you had a guy that could receive the ball, and you also knew you had a guy that could equalize the running game. How important is it for a guy to be behind the plate when you start to start talking about new pitchers and guys that are trying to trying to figure out their rotations and trying to figure out their positions on this pitching staff? How important is it to have a guy behind the plate like Logan Tanner? Well, it's it, it's very important, and I, I tell you, man, I, I was blessed to play with Charles Johnson, Brad Osmond, and Pudge, and all these guys. And by the time I ended my career, I think I was about a two-two to the plate because nobody ever ran, but. Having a guy like – the thing about Logan, I think, is obviously physically he's very gifted, um, throws well. Uh, you've seen him get really – you've seen him get a lot better receiving. I mean, his freshman year, his first year, you know, he was he was working on that, and he's gotten really good at that. And, of course, the bat's always been there. Um, but I think more than anything, it's you're dealing with some inexperienced pitchers out there. And he's been around. He's caught some of the biggest games ever in Mississippi State history. So – you know, from an experience standpoint, I think that plays into a lot of it because he's going – those guys are going to lean on him a lot. And, and he's, he gets it. He calls a good game. And that's going to be very important, I think, because you're going to have a lot of guys coming out there with some, you know, big eyes and wide eyes and a little shell shock sometimes once you get in that conference. And a lot of it's going to fall on him to settle those guys in and, and kind of give them an extra boost of confidence. Jay Barton, another thing we talk about, it seems like every time we go to the press box now, there's a different lineup sitting there waiting on us. We've really been trying to find some some answers in the middle infield. We've seen outfielders moved around. And I think back to when you played with uh, Ron Polk, there wasn't a whole lot of mystery uh, in terms of what the lineup was going to be day to day. And obviously that's different in pro ball. How is the, you know, from being around hitters, being around players, what sort of impact does that have on you, good or bad, when you're just kind of not quite sure where you're going to be from day to day? Well, look, and, and I guarantee you, Chris Lomas would love to write down the same nine in the same spot every day. I mean, that's, that's a luxury to have. And right now, he doesn't have that luxury. And, and from a player standpoint, yeah, you know, they would love to say, hey, I know I'm going to be playing, I know I'm going to be playing it, but Honestly, there, there's only a few of them that's earned that spot right now and earned that right to know they're going to be in that lineup. So, you know, that, that's part of it. And, and they're having to work through that. And, and Chris, you know, he's putting a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And, you know, 
definitely put I, I think Cameron James, if he really tried, or not really tried, but really had a lot of reps, I think he could be a darn good corner outfielder. And I, I've said that since I've been up there. I mean, he's too athletic. He, he could do it. I know he could do it. But he's just trying to find the right mix of sacrifice a little offense for defense. So you sacrifice a little defense for offense. And that's what he's trying to figure out is the right pieces. And as a player, yeah, it can be tough at times. But from a coaching staff, you just got to make sure you're communicating with those guys and saying, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is why we're doing this. Or this is why you're not in there. And just make sure everybody's on the same page. And if you do that, for the most part, those guys get it. I mean, I've always said players get it. They know who should be out there who shouldn't. And he's just trying to find the right pieces right now that's going to give them the best shot. Because, look, I mean, when you're running true freshmen out there in that league, it can be very unforgiving. And, and he's got a few of those right now in the lineup. All right, Jay. Hey, we know you're busy. We'll turn you loose. Hey, before we do that, we do need to get together sometime and just talk about some of the, the stories you guys had, that 97 Florida Moreland team that, uh, that, that won the World Series. And so, okay, I sent you a tweet the other night. I didn't mean to put you on the spot about the, the bat flip from Melendez. Yep. But, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about it. And say you were in a bar. If you're in a bar and you're drinking a Diet Coke and you decide to play a game of pool and some guys want to fight you, let me ask you this. If you had a two-man fight, if you had one guy that could be beside you, would you want Gary Sheffield? Would you want Bobby Bonilla? Would you want A-Rod? Would you want Jim Leland or Lane Burris? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want me to give you the real answer? Yes. I want, I want Rudy Sienaz beside me. Rudy was a teammate of mine with Rangers and did all these mixed martial arts. And one of the best guys you'd ever meet. That's the guy I want beside me. But you know I'll take Lane Burroughs any day of the week. You know that. <laughs> I actually got to see Lane Thursday night. We went over and played in Monroe. And I uh, got to see him and visit with him a little bit. He's doing well. Hey, Charlie and I have talked about it. When I think of big league managers, when I think of guys, you know, that you even see in the movies that could play the part – of a major league manager, it just seems like Jim Leland is the guy that really just comes to your mind. Oh, it's, um, I agree 100%. And he was – I played for some great ones. And, and I always tell people this. I've been spoiled. I played for Jerry Bogan in high school, Ron Polk in college. And then I got to big leagues and played for Jim Leland and Bobby Cox. But even the guys that, like – I mean, Buddy Bell was a great manager that nobody ever told. You know, we had some great – I've always played with great managers. So, I mean, it's just – I've been spoiled from that standpoint. And, and Jim, Jim was best. I mean, I loved him. Um, and I, when you got about a three-hour show, we can uh, we can talk about it because it's, it's some great Jim Leland stories on that 917. We, we had a good group of guys. We all got along real well and um, some characters for sure. But we had a, we had a good time. I tell you what we need to do, Charlie. We need to we need to have a show with Jay, our good friend Marcus Timms, and Jim Leland at the same time, a round table. How phenomenal would that be, Jay? I love it. I love Slick, man. He's a good buddy of mine, and he's 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 one of the best. But uh, I don't know if we want to get Jim on that round table. He may he may start talking too much about me and Slick. <laughs> Got a feeling. <laughs> hey, Jay. Appreciate you, man. Good to talk to you as always. All right, guys. Thank y'all. And that's Jay Powell. It was great to talk to Jay. We need to sit down and just have a long conversation, as we talked about. We could have a good roundtable with Jay 
and talk about big league baseball, time at Mississippi State. Man, what a great ambassador for Bulldog baseball. Jay Powell joining us. And once again, this conversation brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish. And once again, any of the 39 Jim and Nick's barbecue locations, the Carl's Catfish Platter, the Carl's Catfish Sandwich, you can't go wrong. It's not just about barbecue at Jim and Nick's. They've got that great catfish brought to you by Heartland Catfish. Charlie and I will come back with a final word. You're listening to Out on Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back. Final segment, Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. All right, Charlie, I know we'll talk about the Georgia Bulldogs and Mississippi State and our Thursday deep dig tomorrow. And I guess before we do that, hey, man, it's springtime. Baseball opening weekend of SEC home opener next weekend against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And so I know a lot of people are making their plans to – Come to Startwell, and I know they can go to startwell.org to get all the information about whether to go to restaurants or you know, what to do when they come into town and uh, spend those three days in Startwell, shop downtown. But there's always something going on in Startwell, Mississippi's college town. Well, hitting on baseball, one of the things I'm excited about coming up, I had a chance to bump into Mayor Lynn Spruill the other day. We were talking about the Cornerstone Sports Complex. I don't know if you've been following this, but Starville putting in a new sports complex, and it is going to be as good as any in the state, and they are going to have showcases and tournaments and all these things. That facility is going to be opening up this summer, still waiting on the exact dates, but right now, and this is why that's such a perfect thing for Starville, right now, spring break, you know, it's kind of been a little quiet around Starville. Plenty to get out and do if you're a local, of course, but what's the beauty of these sports complexes? It brings so many people into town and gives you such an opportunity to, to get out with the family. I am fired up. And, Bart, you guys have lived in that sports travel ball world, and my time in that is done. But I had no idea how much and how important it was to understand youth sports. And I, it's so cool to see Startville understanding that and embracing it. Yeah, it really is. And, man, you know, you know Charlie – you and I have been kind of a, been around that Cornerstone Park concept from when it started, and man, just to kind of see where it's come from the, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. I mean, we're here, and that's what's pretty cool about this thing. And you start talking about the artificial turf infields. What that does is, you know, kind of allows you to work through weather, and it's just going to be a first class facility. And I tell you what, uh, you know, you talk about Mayor Lynn Spruill and so many different people in Startville pulling in the same direction with this thing and understanding the importance. And not just with that, it's kind of the trickle-down effect as well. It allows you to do some turf things with soccer and have more soccer tournaments. And there's just so many different things that, that opening up this facility is going to do for the, the city of Startville. And, man, I tell you what, I can't wait for it. Can't wait to, for us to play uh, so, some travel ball tournaments there. Of course, we're still kind of early in travel ball in our lifestyle, thank goodness. And uh, the older you go, the further you go, because usually you have to go further to get great facilities. But here in Starkville, we're going to have great facilities to, to host these tournaments and big tournaments and a lot of teams at one time. That's It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. There's so much good going on in Starkville right now. One thing that will not be going on in Starkville this weekend 
SEC baseball, Mississippi State, on the road going to Georgia. This is the only series in the SEC that features two ranked teams. And you always have to put an asterisk by that because there are roughly 487 different polls that people latch on to, typically based on where their team is ranked. But if you look at the reputable sources, this is the series between the two ranked teams. And, look, Georgia's good. You, you get to look at – you know where they're – I know, look, it's early, Bart. Their Warren Nolan RPI right now is two. And two of their losses this year come to the team who was number one, Georgia Tech. So you have to think that will sort itself out a little bit. But this is a good baseball team Mississippi State's going to be playing. You oh, Look, you always say, man, I'd love a sweep – I'd take two right now and be about the happiest guy you've seen. No doubt, especially any time you go on the road in the SEC, especially with a guy like Friday night, they'll throw Jonathan Cannon. I mean, he's a good, strong right-handed pitcher. You mentioned their, they have three losses this season, two against Georgia Tech. They, they salvaged the final game of that three-game series a couple of weeks ago. They played one at home, one on the road, and then one in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And then they lost the following Tuesday night against Georgia Southern, who's always really good. They played in North Augusta and, and lost to, to Georgia Southern, played two games. They split the two games with the Eagles to Georgia Southern. So that's the only three losses this year. Now, they had some tight loss, uh, tight wins early in the year. They had some walk-off, had a walk-off against Akron in the first week of the season. So they've had some tight games. But, you know, we talked, to, as we said, you heard Jeff Dancer just a moment ago, you know, talking about this team in Georgia. They had to fight through some Tommy John situations just like we do. And uh, Charlotte came out early this week. Landon Sims, Stone Simmons lost for the year. And we mentioned Lane Forsyth a minute ago, uh, early in the show, when we were talking about him you know, coming in to pitch against Binghamton on Monday. All of a sudden now, you're going to have to, to kind of manufacture a little bit of depth in that bullpen. You look at all the things that this baseball team has had to navigate so far. It's easy to be frustrated with where you stand with your record. But look at it. You've lost Landon Sims. You've lost Stone Simmons. Casey Hunt has been out quite a while. Then you've got Andrew Walling, who we haven't seen in a while. Luke Hancock got hit on the hand on a ball down at Tulane. You're lucky you didn't lose him. We haven't seen Drew McGowan. We've had some other injuries that they haven't disclosed. And, look, Chris Lamonis has just been having to piece this thing together. Bulldogs not where they want to be, but everything you want is still in front of you. Everything you want to play for is still in front of you. It's basically a brand-new season starting on Friday. Yep. And, hey, we didn't have to fight through the injuries last year. We talk about sometimes it, it takes things falling your way, especially late in the season. We didn't have to deal a whole lot with the injuries. But right now, going into SEC play, you're going to have to find some guys because you do have some injuries. Hey, Charlie, enjoyed it as always. Once again, thanks to our great friends over at WFCA 107.9 in French Camp and uh, Chuck Bentley, Jason Crotter, and those guys for allowing us to, to broadcast this show on Wednesdays. And once again, thanks to our great sponsors, Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Tracks Plus, Tracks Plus, we'll have that Tracks Plus deep dig for you tomorrow. Our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage and Country Meat Packers, Heartland Catfish, and they serve at Great Heartland Catfish at Jim and Nick's Restaurants, 39 locations throughout the Southeast. And then our good friends at Starkville, Mississippi's College Town, and Bank First, a better way to bank, locations in Mississippi and Alabama. Great customer service. BankFirstFS.com. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us 
on out of left field.